In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We read in the Gospel today the visitation of uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary to her cousin Elizabeth. And if we read in the Gospel, we see, of course, that it says that uh, Mary proceeded to the hill country in haste. And, of course, why would she be journeying in haste, her, a pregnant woman? Well, because obviously she was in a very precarious situation. Here she was, a young woman not yet married uh, to her, not yet um, living uh, with her betrothed. Uh, and so therefore, her pregnancy, of course, would have been uh, very suspect, given the fact that uh, she should not have been or would not have been uh, intimate with her husband yet at this point. And so we can imagine that this journey was undertaken, at least in part, in order to uh, remove herself from the prying eyes of uh, her fellow uh, Nazareans. And so we see then, of course, that in this wonderful exchange that Elizabeth has with Mary, Mary Elizabeth first talks of you know, the great joy that the, the child in her womb, John the Baptist, the cousin of, of, of our Lord Jesus, uh, leapt with joy just when he heard the words uh, from Mary's mouth. And then, of course, we have uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, who then uh, makes her great magnificat, her great testimony to uh, the love that the Lord has shown her. And of course, we, we hear those words and we, we immediately associate them with, you know, with great joy. And of course, they are. But we have to recognize that Mary's actual circumstances at this point, uh, her actual life, uh, looked at from a natural perspective, was actually very difficult. It's not an occasion of joy to be uh, dealing with this uh, this pregnancy at this moment, it's only because she is, of course, uh, aware that this child is a great gift from the Holy Spirit, that he is the Messiah, and the fact that, of course, she knows uh, that she is doing the will of God, that she has given her, her fiat, her yes, to our Lord, and so therefore she has this joy that uh, despite the natural circumstances, the natural difficulties that she finds in her life, she is... Uh, has reason to be supernaturally joyful. And this is something that I think we all as Christians have to remember, uh, unfortunately, especially, you know, in the present circumstances. Uh, we've had, you know, obviously this string of disclosures, uh, first with uh, former Cardinal McCarrick uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, and then, of course, now we've just recently had this uh, grand jury report in Pennsylvania about the six dioceses. And, you know, one reads these things, one hears about these things, and one is just sickened uh, at, you know, the immorality amongst the clergy, um, you know, and the mismanagement by uh, bishops who should have known better in terms of their uh, management of the house of God, of the, of the uh, especially, of course, of the victims and their well-being, uh, but, of course, also the larger church who has the right to expect that these things be handled, of course, in a, uh, a moral, prudent, uh, and charitable way. And so, of course, you know, as Christians, we, we feel the great weight of, this, um, of these failures, that they uh, deaden uh, perhaps whatever natural joy that we might have in celebrating uh, the great gifts that our Lord gives to us uh, in the sacraments and these holy days. But we have to instead reach for that supernatural joy, that supernatural joy that is given to us by the Holy Spirit, that despite uh, our natural circumstances, which can be uh, depressing, that we have 
something greater uh, to aspire to. And of course, we see this in Mary's assumption that her life, we have no reason to think that her life, whether, uh, of course, starting with this, uh, you know, this difficult pregnancy, uh, even the raising of Jesus, we see, of course, you know, having to uh, first go to Bethlehem and then flee to Egypt, and then, of course, having to witness the crucifixion of her son, and then, of course, probably uh, seeing many of the struggles of the early church, the persecution uh, during the remainder of the time that she was on earth would have not been uh, moments of natural joy. But we can you know, fathom that it was a time of supernatural joy for her because she was already living uh, in this sense of doing the will of the Lord and knowing that she was being uh, called to something greater. And so, of course, that was then um, you know, made full in her assumption into heaven because she had lived this life of obedience to our Lord, because she had lived without sin, because she had done what uh, the Father had asked her to do in bringing the Messiah into the world and nurturing him up so that he could um, atone for the sins of the world on the cross, she, of course, is then received uh, directly into heaven. We as Christians in this life uh, do not have that freedom from sin that she had, but we certainly do have um, the ability to repent, uh, to atone, and even to make reparation for those sins that perhaps are not ours personally, but which have you know, infected our church. So certainly the tools of prayer, fasting, uh, almsgiving are tools that we can use uh, both on a personal level as well as uh, in a larger community as ways of uh, atoning for you know, the, the, the great failures of, of many in the church, uh, especially those who uh, are charged with its leadership. But also, of course, um, you know, to recognize that um, you know, the church needs to be purified of many things. The church is, in this pilgrim life, uh, always going to be and certainly, again, this is not an excuse for anything that has been done, but certainly the church is always going to be in need of purification. It's always uh, in need of the crack of that whip that our Lord had uh, in the temple when he cleared out the money changers. There's always, uh, there's always sin, there's always filth, there's always wrongdoing in the church uh, that needs to be purified. Just as we continually need to turn to the Lord uh, in confession to repent of our sins, uh, we must be you know, eternally vigilant. Um, that, you know, uh, wrongdoing, sin, uh, and other failures are purged from our church. Not because we expect the church to be perfect, not because we don't uh, account for human foibles and failures, but to recognize that the devil is prowling about, uh, and that if we let him get a foothold, if we are complacent uh, with sin, if we are complacent with wrongdoing, if we are complacent, uh, whether as laity or as clergy, uh, with wrongdoing, with sinful um, actions with, sin, with sinful um, lives, then we will eventually be uh, consumed by that. So we must be eternally vigilant uh, to make sure that that does not uh, you know, infest the house of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.